Welcome to the audio podcast for Saturday Night Life. SNL is a ministry of Northwood Church, and our hope is that this will be a tool that blesses and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you want to learn more about Northridge Church or SNL, you can visit us at nrchurch.ca or join us for Saturday Night Life at 7 p.m. on Saturday evenings. Until we meet, be blessed and enjoy the word for this evening. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And sometimes you feel awkward when you grab the bike and start walking up to the front a little bit too soon, twice. Uh, so thank you for that, Jessica. Um, good evening, y'all. Uh, much to the sadness of some of the people in this room, we have axed the announcements today. Sorry, Christian. Uh, sorry to do it to you. I'm, I'm looking at today, I'm like, okay, we've got two bands tonight. When has that ever happened before? We are so, we're doubly blessed. So, uh, actually, you know what? I want to just say again before, I didn't know if she was going to sneak out. But Jessica has been our day one for planning all of our music worship. And we've never had a night where nobody has been able to be a part of things. And it's sometimes been some last minute cobbling together. And today was an overabundance of, of teams. And so thank you, WOW, for being able to kind of rest. And they're going to close the evening for us and, um, and lead us in, the, in a time of response. So instead of announcements... We're going to have somebody announce, yeah, there's a little segue there, uh, what God has done in his life. I'm going to invite Steve to come up, and he's going to share his story. Um, and after he's done sharing his story, we're going to hear, the word, hear from the word, and then we're going to dunk this guy. We're going to baptize him. And you know what? If, yeah, there you go. And if the Holy Spirit's whispering to you as, as things go on tonight, and tonight's your night to be baptized as well, we'll dunk you too. There's plenty of water. Well, there's not tons, but it will cover you. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. It'll work. So um, I want to release you to share your testimony, and then I want to pray for you after. But here you go. Thanks. Um, wow. There's a lot of people in this room today that just, just amaze me. Um, my career, I've, I've stood on stage and I've had a written speech in front of me and, and today I, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't feel right. Um, so I'm just asking Jesus to speak through me today to you. Um, I want to echo what Jess said, actually. Uh, she was talking about not playing the guitar when she was at Glory House and I actually remember watching her the first time ever in public at the Poco Inn. Uh, so she's done amazing. But um, so the question that was asked of me um, about when did Jesus come into my life? Well, he was always there. It's really when I decided to accept him into my life. And, um, you know, I've lived a pretty good life. I, I, uh, golden opportunities along the way. I've driven race cars and flown planes and worked on ranches and worked with wonderful people. I've, I have beautiful children, but on June 20th of 2017, my life changed. And again, on August 28th, of 2017 I lost my dad uh, so I started drinking a lot by myself um, I, I felt horrible I uh, 
I blame myself for losing my family. And, 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 and I just closed up. And uh, my mom tried to help me and get me into treatment. And um, that didn't work so good. And then uh, I ended up in the hospital really sick. And she died. And um, on June 4th of 2022, while sleeping in the grass underneath the overpass in Langley, I mustered the courage to walk for 13 hours. And I got to the Maple Ridge shelter and I talked to the lady at the desk and I said, I need help. And the next day, I had a meeting with Natalie and an hour and a half later, I was at Hope for Freedom Hill and House. And um, I had nothing. And I walked outside and I stood in the sun and I said, Lord, I will give you everything I have if you can help me. And I was on restrictions. It was a Wednesday, and I was on restrictions. I couldn't go to the first AA meeting, but I got to come here on Saturday night. And I walked in the door, and Jess was singing. And Jess has been a part of my past for 20 years. She's met my kids and had barbecues at my house. And then uh, on Tuesday, Pastor Larry came to Hillen. I used to employ Larry. <laughs> when I worked at Lexus. When I worked at Lexus, it was incredible. And I won an award for being the best in Canada. And the award is called the Relentless Pursuit of Perfection. And that's what I was doing. I won that award more than once. But I put everything behind me. I focused solely on the prize. So to see Larry that Tuesday was absolutely like, wow, this man never let me down. It was always something special about him. So I'm like, what's with this Hilland house? Like I come to SNL and there's Jess. And, and now I, I, I'm on Tuesday Bible study with Pastor Larry. And then uh, somebody by the name of Leon managed to, uh, you should be here, by the way, you little bugger, say hi to Ben, but uh, Leon wanted to be here tonight, he can't be, but um, he got me to the food bank, and on, on the Thursday, there's this, there's this guy, and well, I'm not tall, but he's shorter than me, and he's rummaging in the freezer, and holy moly, if it's not Jerry Sly, who was my boss in the year 2000, and hooked me up with the Newman Haas racing team in Portland, and it was a really special moment for me. A great man, but unfortunately, I pursued something different with General Motors. So within one week of me being at Hope for Freedom, so many people that are a part of my life were in this building, or part of Hill and House. And I struggled. Um, and I, I, I got about four and a half months clean, thought I knew 
everything and wanted to save the world and help my kids again. And I fell on my face once again. And six weeks after that, I went back to Hillen and I realized that the only way I can help my kids is to help me for good. So that's what I'm doing. Um, I have three beautiful girls, one's 19, one's 17, one is 12. They call me every day. They love the fact that when dad says he's going to do something, he does it. He doesn't put it aside anymore. If I say I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you. And it's a scary thing for me to do this in some ways because, like, honestly, like, my whole life I've been on stage. And I don't want that anymore. I don't want the spotlight on me anymore. It's not. Um, I get up every morning and I pray. I, I, I thank Jesus for the opportunity to live again. And when I go to bed, I thank Jesus for the day and I put down my transgressions. I, I offer forgiveness for people that have wronged me and I do my best to apologize to those I've hurt. So every day I wake up as a new day and a new challenge, but I know if I didn't accept Jesus into my life, I wouldn't be here. And I have a whole lot of special people in this room that love me, that I care for. Um, I can't thank you enough for listening. Um, I just ask that you all open up your heart to whatever capacity you feel faith is. For me, it started with the mustard seed and it grew from there. So I just want to say amen. Praise Jesus and, and um, thanks David for the opportunity and I brought a towel, it's all good. <laughs> thank you, Steve, you blessed us. Um, just as we transition into the word, I, I, I think I have a word for you and you guys could eavesdrop. Um, I, I think there's so much power, you, you said a couple of words, there's so much power in getting to that point where you say, I need help. Um, because you guys know the story, when, you, when we try and do things in our own strength, when, when we're the ones trying to, what's the relent, relentless pursuit of perfection? When we're the ones trying, we're going to fail. And when we get to that point of saying, I need help, uh, that's when God does his best work. That's one of the things I love about this place, is that in a way, we've all come to this realization, we need help, that this, this isn't going well on our own, in our own strength. Uh, and I want to encourage you, um, that phrase, relentless pursuit of perfection, I think still applies. It's just that you've identified, Steve, that you're not the one who's trying to be perfect, you're following the perfect one, and it's this relentless pursuit of the perfect one. And it's a different journey, and it's, it's really good. And uh, so I'm excited for you, and we're looking forward to baptizing you again. Uh, have soft hearts and big ears. If, if you feel the tap, tap, tap on the shoulder, the Holy Spirit's telling you tonight's your night to get baptized, we'll baptize you as well. You might even share it. We've got clothes for you to get changed into after. Uh, so there you go. All right.
A uh, lot of stuff going on tonight, and of course, I chose to preach the longest section of scripture that I've ever, probably ever preached here at, at uh, SNL on a night where so many things are happening. Um, but the way I'm going to approach it is almost as a story being told. I'm going to try and interject as little as possible, but I've got a big mouth, and so sometimes that's hard. But if you want to read along with me, we're going to be in chapter 26 of Matthew, and I don't know that, uh, so sometimes I preach Saturday nights, I quite often preach Sunday mornings, and I don't think there's ever been as much overlap as there will be this weekend, because one of the central figures uh, today is going to be the central figure tomorrow, we're going to be looking at the life of Peter, and uh, he plays a prominent role tonight, he's a bit of a jerk, and you'll see why. All right, let's go right from verses, and again, this is the message version, kind of a storytelling version, and so the, the verses are clumped in twos and threes, and so if you're reading along in a version other than the message, it might not line up perfectly, but you'll get the idea. When Jesus finished saying these things, he told his disciples, you know that Passover comes in two days. That's when the Son of Man will be betrayed and handed over for crucifixion. And at that very moment, a party of high priests and religious leaders was meeting in the chambers of the chief, chief priest named Caiaphas, conspiring to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. They agreed that it should not be done during Passover week. We don't want a riot on our hands, they said. I'm going to keep reading, Josiah. When Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him and he, as he was eating dinner and anointed him with a bottle of very expensive perfume. When the disciples saw what was happening, they were furious. That's criminal. This could have been sold for a lot. And the money handed out to the poor. Let's pause there. Sorry, let's stick with that. So Jesus is preparing to go into this very holy week. And if you want to know more about Passover, it's talked about and it's, it's the key to the second uh, book of the entire Bible. So we have Genesis, then Exodus. And Exodus is the story of Israel being saved from Egypt. You guys know the story of Moses. Uh, you may have seen the cartoon, Prince of Egypt. And God saved them by allowing them to escape through the Red Sea. And Passover week is in memory of what happened just before that. Remember when God sent the plagues on Egypt to encourage Pharaoh to, to set his people free. And he wouldn't listen, he wouldn't listen. The very last plague was that the angel of death was going to come in and kill the firstborn of every household. But Israel was told that if they just paint the doorposts with the blood of the lamb, their child would be saved. And that the angel would literally pass over their house. So when they're preparing for Passover week, they're remembering when that angel passed over the, their forefathers. Does that make sense? All right, next one, please. Thanks, Josiah. When Jesus realized what was going on, he intervened. Why are you giving this woman a hard time? She has just done something, something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives, but not me. When she poured this perfume on my body, what she really did was anoint me for burial. You could be sure that what, wherever in the whole world the message is preached, that she has done, or what she has done is going to be remembered and admired. Let's pause there. So again, the slide before, we see this lady come in, and she sees Jesus, and she bows before him, and she pours expensive oil. Like, this would be over-the-top lavish. And the disciples, who were used to having to live uh, in this kind of almost communist little commune as they travel, they shared everything. 
and people would bless them with food, but sometimes they'd have to go out and do something to earn a little bit, and everything was precious. They were traveling the whole time. It wasn't like they were being funded by this wealthy investor or anything like that. They were, they were just trying to make ends meet, and they're looking at this lady pouring this expensive oil over Jesus' feet, and they're like, wait a minute, we could have sold that, and that could have fed us for a week or, or whatever, right? It was worth a lot of money. And they were really annoyed that she would waste it. But he says, and this has got to be so confusing for the disciples, even though Jesus has been trying to explain to them that he's going to go away. He says, her generosity is going to be remembered through the ages. And what she has just done is she has anointed me for burial. He's prophesying his death. And this, again, brings me to a point that I love to hammer home. Jesus was never a victim of a plot to have him killed. He was not somebody who was walking through life doing his thing, and then they came in and they trapped him, and they captured him, and they crucified him. He was preparing himself, and he was knowing that he was going to be crucified, that he would be buried, even now. So I kind of like to point that out. Let's go on to the next one here. That's when one of the twelve, the one named Judas Iscariot, went to the cabal of high priests and said, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? They settled on 30 silver pieces. He began looking for just the right moment to hand him over. Let's keep going. On the first of the days of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, where do you want us to prepare your Passover meal? He said, enter the city. Go up to a certain man and say, the teacher says my time is near. I and my disciples plan to celebrate the Passover meal at your house. The disciples followed Jesus' Jesus's instructions to the letter and prepared the Passover meal. Let's pause there. This is not a secret code that Jesus has prepared ahead of time. This is just something that he knows that the Holy Spirit's going to orchestrate and that somebody's going to be ready to provide a place for them so they can come together and celebrate this Passover meal. And this is the meal they're about to partake in is the one you kind of see on paintings where they're all sitting together. It's the Last Supper. And that's what they're about to go into. Let's go to the next slide, please. After sunset, he and the 12 men were sitting around the table. During the meal, he said, I have something hard but important to say to you. One of you is going to hand me over to the conspirators. They were stunned and then began to ask one after another, it isn't me, is it, Master? So again, Jesus knew that one of the guys that he had picked up off the street, who he had chosen to be one of his 12, one of the guys he spent the last three years with, teaching, doing the miraculous in front of, um, just living with and being with, one of those three people, excuse me, one of those 12 people, was going to full-on betray him, and we know what the price was, 30 pieces of silver. They were going to get 30 pieces of silver to turn Jesus over to the conspirators. And Jesus knew what was happening, called it out. Jesus answered, the one who hands me over is someone I eat with daily, one who passes me food at the table. In one sense, the Son of Man is entering into a way of treachery well marked by the Scriptures. No surprises here. In another sense, that man who turns him in turns traitor to this Son of Man. Better never to have been born than to do this. Then Judas, already turned traitor, said, it isn't me, is it, Rabbi? Jesus says, don't play games with me, Judas. Judas had already made the plans. He had already made the deal, struck the deal, probably shook on it, maybe even had the, the, the coins jingling in his pocket. And he tried to tell Jesus, oh, it's not me, is it? And Jesus wouldn't have any of it. 
So now we get into the actual Last Supper. During the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Take, eat, this is my body. This is what we do, and this is the scripture we often refer to when we share communion together, where he takes the bread, he says, take, eat, this is my body. And then taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you, this is my blood, God's new covenant poured out for many people for the forgiveness of sins. I'll not be drinking wine from this cup again until that new day when I'll drink with you in the kingdom of my Father. They sang a hymn and went directly to Mount Olives. Let's keep going. Then Jesus told them, before the night's over, you're going to fall to pieces because of what happens to me. There's scripture that says, I'll strike the shepherd, dazed and confused, the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I, your shepherd, will go ahead of you, leading the way to Galilee. So Jesus is kind of, well, he isn't kind of, he is prophesying that they're all going to chicken out and they're going to abandon him. When he gets taken in, when he's arrested and about to be tried, they will all scatter. They will no longer be following Jesus. They won't stand with him. But then we see somebody stand up here in the next verse. Peter broke in. Even if everyone else falls to pieces on account of you, I won't. And Jesus says, don't be so sure. This very night before the rooster crows up the dawn, you will deny me three times. Peter protested, even if I had to die with you, I would never deny you. All the others said the same thing. Peter had these kind of moments. Remember Peter, and we'll talk about this tomorrow, so I shouldn't go too deep today. But remember, Peter was the one when they saw Jesus kind of come out of the fog over the water. He's walking on the water. Everybody was terrified. Peter's like, I want to do that too. And he was full of faith and he wanted to do this thing, this crazy, amazing thing. He has these moments of courage and, and kind of bravery. And here he's kind of full of bravado and he, he says, you know what, even if I had to die with you, I would never deny you. But Jesus already prophesies before, you know how the rooster's every morning. Before that happens, you will have denied, thank you, Jaden, for laughing at my cockle-doodle-doo. Uh, you will have denied me three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. Let's carry on. Then Jesus went with them to a garden called Gethsemane and told his disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into an agonizing sorrow. Then he said, this sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell on his face, praying, My Father, if there's any way, get me out of this. But please, not what I want. You, what do you want? And I love this prayer. But before I talk about the prayer, let me talk about the context of Jesus' anguish. He was broken. Uh, different translations will say that when he prayed, he, he sweat drops of blood. And I can't remember the name for it. There's a medical term for this intense anxiety where you're, you're literally popping blood vessels and, and you can literally be sweating, not sweating, but you, you're dripping blood from just this intensity. Jesus went into this. He did not in his humanity want to do this. And he cried out to his father like we sometimes do in those broken lowest moments. We cry out, God, save me. And he was even, he was saying to God, look, if there's any other way that this can be done. And Jesus knew his mission. But he said honestly to his father, if there's any other way than what I have to do, that I can do this, 
let's do that because I don't want to do this. But then, so I love that honesty with the Father. And I want to encourage you, when you pray, you can be honest with the Father. You can, you can start yelling out the stuff that just sucks. But then look at how Jesus finishes the prayer. But please, not what I want. You, what do you want? We can come to the Father. We can ask for anything. And there are scriptures that say, what good father or what any father, if, 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 if I'm asked for uh, bread, I'm not going to give my kid a stone. If I'm asked for a fish, I'm not going to give him a scorpion. And I'm a, I'm a human dad. I'm, I have bad moments. And if I'm that logical, how much more will a good father, our heavenly father, care for us when we cry out and we ask for what we need? And the answer, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is, he will always provide what we need. He takes care of us. And so we can come to him and we can ask for stuff. And Jesus is asking, please don't make me have to do this. But he finishes with, he says, but please, not what I want. You, what do you want? He says, not my will, but yours be done. That's the way Jesus finished that intense, intense prayer. So remember, before he went into this intense prayer, he asked his closest allies, his closest disciples, please pray with me. I need your strength. I need you to pray alongside me. And we see how great a job these guys did. Uh, if we look next one, next slide, please. One more. Is there, a, is there a next slide there, Josiah? There you go. You're right. <laughs> uh, when he came back to his disciples, he found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. He then left them a second time and he prayed, My father, if there is no other way than this, drinking this cup to the dregs, I am ready. Do it your way. Let's keep going, Josiah. When he came back, he again found them sound asleep. They simply couldn't keep their eyes open. This time he let them sleep on. He went back a third time to pray, going over the same ground one last time. When he came back the next time, he said, are you going to sleep on and make a night of it? My time is up. The Son of Man is about to be handed over to the hands of the sinners. Get up. Let's get going. My betrayer is here. Jesus knew even before what happens next happened. He knew that this is the moment he was going to be arrested. Let's see how it goes. The words were barely out of his mouth when Judas, the one of the twelve, showed up. And with him a gang from the high priests and religious leaders brandishing swords and clubs. The betrayer had worked out a sign with them. The one I kiss, that's the one, sees him. He went straight to Jesus, greeted him. How are you, Rabbi? And kissed him. Jesus said, friend, why the charade? Then they came, came on him, grabbed him and roughed him up. One of those with Jesus pulled his sword and taking a swing at the chief priest's servant, cut off his ear. Uh, it doesn't say it here, but in um, the book of John, it describes it's, it's Peter. Peter's the one who steals the sword and, and hacks off the guy's ear. Jesus said, put your sword back where it belongs. All who use swords are destroyed by the sword. That's where that line comes from. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. Don't you realize that I'm able right now to call to my father and 12 companies, more if I want them, of fighting angels would be here battle ready? But if I did that, how would the scriptures come true? 
that say that this is the way it has to be. So, sorry, Josiah, I'll just really quickly. Peter, remember, Peter said, I have got your back, Jesus. There's, I will not let anything, I will even die for you. And he has this good moment. This is almost like his moment of stepping out onto the water and demonstrating that faith. He has this, this flash of faith. It's, it's badly acted out. He's, Jesus didn't call him to hack off his ear, but that's what he did. But he has this moment where he's actually kind of living up to his claim of uh, being willing to even die for Jesus. Sorry, let's go on again there, Josiah. Then Jesus addressed the mob. What is this? Coming out after me with swords and clubs as, as if I were a dangerous criminal. Day after day, I've been sitting in the temple teaching, and you never so much as lifted a hand against me. You've done it this way to confirm and fulfill prophetic writings. Then all the disciples cut and ran. They scattered. The, the sentries had come in. They had taken Jesus. They knew he was a goner, and they scattered. They didn't want any more part of this process of the arrest. Here we go. The gang that had seized Jesus led him before Caiaphas, the chief priest, where the religion scholars and leaders had assembled. Peter followed at a safe distance until they got to the chief priest's courtyard. Then he slipped in and mingled with the servants, watching to see how things would turn out. The high priests, conspiring with the Jewish council, tried to cook up charges against Jesus in order to sentence him to death. But even though many stepped up, making up one false accusation after another, nothing was believable. Let's keep going. Finally, two men came forward with this. He said, I can, this is Jesus talking, I can tear down this temple of God and after three days rebuild it. The chief priest stood up and said, what do you have to say to this accusation? Sorry, that wasn't, uh, uh, Jesus kept silent. Then the chief priest said, I command you by the authority of the living God to say that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus was curt. You yourself said it. And that's not all. Soon, you'll see it for yourself. The Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Mighty One, arriving on the clouds of heaven. Let's keep going, Josiah. At that, the chief priest lost his temper, ripping his robes, yelling, He blasphemed! Why do we need witnesses to accuse him? You all heard him blaspheme. Are you going to stand for such blasphemy? They all said, Death! That seals his death sentence. They, then they were spitting on his face, in his face, and knocking him around. They jeered as they slapped him. Prophesy, Messiah, who hit you that time? This charge of blasphemy against Jesus would be blasphemy. If I, if I stood up in front of you guys and said, you know what? I'm just going to tell you something. I am actually the son of God. If I said that, and have I claimed to be God's uh, beloved son, his one and only son, that would be blasphemy. That would be me saying that I am God. But Jesus was God. He is the Son of God. And so instead of being blasphemy, it was just truth. But in their eyes, again, remember these religious people were still waiting for the Messiah to come, the one who would come and save them. They were still waiting. They did not believe or they would not admit that Jesus was the Messiah. And so for him to say this about himself would have been blasphemy, and blasphemy was, by Jewish law, punishable by death. And so that's what they were calling for. All right, a little bit more here. All this time, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. One servant girl came up to him and said, hey, you were with Jesus the Galilean. In front of everybody there, he denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. As he moved over toward the gate, someone else said to the people there, this man was with Jesus the Nazarene. 
Again, he denied it, salting his denial with an oath. I swear, I never laid eyes on the man. Shortly after that, some bystanders approached Peter. You've got to be one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he got really nervous and swore. I don't know the man. Just then, a rooster crowed. Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried and cried. And I think that's the end of it, right, Josiah? Yeah. Um, you can see why I, I couldn't really choose to leave any of that story out. Um, this is what we've been building up to as we've been reading through Matthew, hearing his teaching, learning the character of Jesus. Now we are watching him act out the thing that he came to do when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. And Peter's story, again, tomorrow we're focusing completely on, on Peter. And I'll just kind of give you a bit of an overview. Remember, uh, Jesus called Peter. He, he was a fisherman. He says, come with me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going I'm to teach you how to win and save men. And then a little later on, G actually Peter's name when, when Jesus met him was Simon, which means like wimpy reed, like a, a withery piece of grass. And it was Jesus who referred to him by his Roman name of Peter, Cephas, which means rock. And he prophesied over him and he said, on this rock I will build my church. Jesus was calling him the rock before Dwayne the Rock Johnson was the rock. And he was saying that you're going to be the origin story of the church. The church that gathers today, Peter will be the origin story, part of that origin story. And remember Peter, he, he's probably pumped up with all that. And that's what probably inspired his speech when Jesus said, you're all going to turn away. And Peter says, no, I would never, I would never turn away from you. And then, just as Jesus prophesied, three times before the next morning, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Now, Steve tells the story of being laying on the grass by the overpass. And I think we've had our laying in the grass overpass moments. And it's the, that low, low, and actually I might be putting words in your mouth by saying that's the lowest moment. But this, this point where we are at the bottom. And unfortunately, we have people that have been in our lives who didn't make it up off the mat. Where in their lowest, they just, they couldn't take another step. And, and their lives were ended and they're not with us anymore. And Peter, I can only imagine how low he must have felt at this moment. This man he loved like a brother, this Messiah who he identified. Jesus, remember, and we'll talk again about it tomorrow. He, Jesus says, like, who are people saying that I am? And they're saying, well, some think you're John, and some think you're Elijah or something. Uh, and then he says to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. He knew who he was, and he worshipped him as such. But in Jesus' greatest hour of need, Peter completely slipped back into being a Simon. And he was this withery reed, and he wimped out. And he was, I just can't even imagine. He says here, he cried and cried and cried. How close must he have gotten to joining Judas, who we later find out ends up killing himself? And it's a, it's a sad point in the story, but there's good stuff still to come. And I can't wait. I'm, I'm very excited about being able to piggyback tonight's message with tomorrow's. I know not all of you are going to get a chance to hear it, but um, 
we get to hear what happens in the life of, of Peter. The hope that comes when the Holy Spirit fills us. The new life that gives us. The new creation we can become. So speaking of that, we get to witness a moment right now where very much like Jesus, Jesus modeled this for us in baptism, but then he lived it out with his death and resurrection. It's just kind of symbolic of, of Steve's death to himself. He's done following himself. And he's going to rise again, a new creation, ready to follow and have this relentless pursuit of the perfect one. So Steve, I'm going to invite you up. We are also having Pastor Larry come up. And I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you. And I'll help be the muscle because obviously you, you're lacking in that area. Uh, that's right, but thank you, Larry. Great. Well, what, an, what a great word, and we're so thankful that uh, Jesus does rescue us. And Well, there isn't a lot of water in there. This might... Uh, <laughs> we're going to... We'll push them down a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. Um, I think I'm going to go on this side. And uh, what an exciting step Steve's taking. It was great to have him just testify in front of everybody, wasn't it? Just to share a bit of his, your story with us. And uh, we're all honored just to be a part of this special moment when you're saying goodbye, like you said earlier, to the old Steve. And uh, hello to the, what all that God has for you. I actually have a, a promise uh, from the word I felt I was just supposed to share with you. Some of the guys at Hope of Freedom have been memorizing it. Uh, and it's First Corinthians, uh, verses eight and nine, chapter one, verses eight and nine. It says, "He will keep you strong till the end." It'll actually it, NIV says strong to the end. NIV says, or NLT New Living or the Recovery Bible says, uh, "So that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns." And then it goes on to say in verse nine, "God will do this, for He's faithful to do what He says." And then it goes on to say. And he's invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Steve, as just like Peter couldn't do what he wanted to do in his own strength, God promises that he's going to do it for you. That's his word. That's a promise not just for him, but it's for all of us tonight. But there is something we are to do, and that is, it goes on to say, he's invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so... You still, it's kind of like a tandem bike, you know? You ever done that with your dad or somebody? And you, wow, you just went plowing up that hill like nothing. You, know, you were so strong as a kid. And then you realize it really wasn't you after all. It was, it was your dad. But all you had to do was stay on that bike. <laughs> and that's the same for you, Steve. You just got to keep sticking with the Lord and keep on his, his, his bike, his path, and, uh, and he'll do it. He'll keep you strong to the end so you'll be blameless. So we're going to baptize you now, Steve, and your confession of faith that you made in front of us all, that Jesus is your Lord, he's your Savior. We baptize you now to the glory of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Pastor Larry. Uh, 
this does not have to be the end. Um, if somebody's feeling right now they want to be baptized, the water's still here. Most of it. Steve's taking some of it with him. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. And uh, until we dump this water out, the invitation stands. All right? So uh, let's worship together. Let's stand in response to, uh, to what God's done and will do. And let's sing together. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. For from you are all things, to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Yes, you do. You deserve the glory, Father. We worship you. Thank you, worship team. Uh, have a quick seat. I, I do want to be sensitive to the time, but I don't want to miss an opportunity to um, invite you into the walk that Steve has kind of demonstrated for us tonight. Um, and it begins like this. It begins with the phrase, I need help. Because if you're already perfect, if you've never sinned, if you have no problems in life, then you know you don't need Jesus. You are already a deity. We should be worshiping you. Um, so quickly surveying the room, I don't see anybody leaving the room, and so I'm assuming we are all at that point where we understand that we need help, that in our own strength, we are not enough. So that's the first part. And the second thing is to believe, to believe that this Jesus who we've been talking about for the last 26 chapters, we talked about again tonight, that this Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a perfect life, and that he gave that life up for us to be the atonement for our sin. The, the Bible says that all have sinned. Everybody has sinned. I am a sinner. I need help. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And it says that the consequences, the wages of that sin is death. What we deserve is death. That is the paycheck for our behavior. That is the paycheck for our, our brokenness. Our inadequacy is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. The reason we have joy, the reason we have hope is because he offers us this free gift. But what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks, Steve's preaching next week, and we're going to see what Jesus goes through. We saw tonight the anguish that he didn't want to have to go through this. And even though this is a free gift for us, it's not a cheap gift. There was great cost. But Jesus paid it. And if you believe that Jesus paid that price for you, that's the second thing. And the third thing is to commit your ways to following him. Instead of the re relentless pursuit of my perfection, the relentless pursuit of, of my happiness and my way of doing things, we're called to repent and commit our ways to pursuing the perfect one. So that's the third thing, is this decision to turn. Repent means to turn 180, to go the opposite way from where we used to be going. And I'll tell you, where we used to be going was the devil's plan for our lives. He was dragging us to hell. He was taking, he wants us to die in the most horrific, awful way possible. And so when we repent, when Jesus saves us and we commit to following him, it, we are leaving the enemy's camp and we are walking to, with the Father. And if, if you want to do that today, I want to provide an opportunity, an invitation. Again, this is not a deal that I can make for you. 
This has got nothing. I'm just the, the one who kind of passes on the little love note from God that he loves you and he wants you to be his child. And so tonight, I'm going to get you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Tonight, if you know that you need, you need help, if you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, the only way to that help, and if you're willing to turn from the way you're going and commit your life to following him, I want to invite you to put your hand up where you're at tonight. And it's a declaration. Thank you, guys. This is your way of saying to God, I'm yours. Thanks, guys. Put your hand up. Good job. I'm yours. I'm following you now. And this begins this new journey. Let me just pray for you. Father, we, we thank you for the work you're doing in hearts and minds of those here tonight. And we pray a blessing on these people. Those who have lifted their hands and those who have lifted their hands in the past, Lord, we pray blessings on them. We pray that they would know, that they would have a confidence that they are yours. That there is no longer any doubt. And one of the things that they would not have doubt with is what happens to them after this life. That they can know that they are going to live forever with you in eternity, in heaven. Father, we pray blessings on them tonight. Lord, I pray protection on their minds and their hearts. That they would sound sleep tonight. They would be blessed even in their sleep. They would wake up knowing, wake up with a smile on their face, knowing that they are a child of God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, uh, thanks, you guys. Thanks for sticking with us. It was a longer service than we had planned, but it's beautiful. Now, I'm about to turn this microphone off, at which time there will be probably no more baptisms. So is there anybody who's been like, oh, I probably should... Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, that's right. Gear down here. Do you, um, yeah, we can do it though. We might bang your head on the, on the edge there, but uh, uh, is there anything that you want to kind of declare before we, we pray over you and, um, and dunk you? Hi, David. Uh, yeah, I just had, a, I've been in treatment for 39 days, and I'm 88 days sober. Um, today was a really heavy day. Uh, my son's uh, in Kelowna, and is uh, is worried sick about him, right? I just want to make sure that he's he's gotten out safe. Um, I just want to hand everything to God, so that I can, you know. Just get that weight lifted off my shoulder. I want to. I want to uh, devote my life to him, so I can live under his care and have him drive my bus. Cause uh, I, I could felt today that you know I was trying to take that wheel back, and I I, I don't want to do that. I want to give him the power, so that I can restore my power. So. Well, take your shoes on and hop in there, Larry. Can I use your muscles? This time I could be the good-looking one. You could be the muscles. Oh, he's going socks in. Wet socks. John, do you confess to being a sinner? Yes. Yeah. Do you know that Jesus is the one who paid the price for your sins? Are you ready to walk and follow him? Well, by your good confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Testing one, two. All right. Oh, we got another towel. Good stuff. Thanks, John. That's exciting. Uh, anybody else want to be baptized tonight? All right. Well, you know what? Um, this all happened because Steve was bold enough to approach us and say, hey, I'm ready. And honestly, any night can be a baptism night. Um, it could be a Thursday. It could be another, a different Saturday, whatever. So don't be shy. If you're feeling God's tap, 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 uh, we'll baptize you. Um, look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. You get to hear the, the, the happy ending to uh, Peter's story. It doesn't end quite as badly as we left it here tonight. And we pray blessings on you and blessings on your week. Take care. Thank you for joining us for Saturday Night Life. If you want to learn more about this ministry, or if you want to talk to somebody about what you heard on this podcast, please email us at snl at nrchurch.ca. We'd love to get to know you better. Until then, be safe and be blessed.